Hi, I'm Mike Neglia, and welcome to Vox Hibernia. On this episode, I get to sit down with Kian and Jody, and we talk about one of the most important and life-changing truths in the Christian message. We talk about the grace of God. We also talk about what makes people so judgmental, the sin bin, and the most tragic oxymoron, graceless Christianity. Hi, um, welcome to Vox Hibernia. Uh, this evening, I'm with Jody and with Kian, and we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about grace and what grace is and what grace means to us. But um, uh, yeah, Jody, would you mind maybe just introducing yourself to us, help us to, to know who it is that we'll be talking to? Yep. My name is Jody. I am from Cork, born and bred. And uh, I'm a secondary school teacher. I teach English. Uh, but currently, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have three young children. And that's me. Kian, would you like to tell us a bit about who you are? Yeah, I'm Kian Carroll. I'm also from Cork, born and raised. I live just near the city on Polaroff Road now with my lovely wife, Katie. I just recently graduated from UCC in chemistry. And I now work for a pharmaceutical company. Um, I work in a microbiology lab at the moment but I'll be moving around a bit, so it's fun. Jody, do you have a handsome husband? Oh, yeah, really. I felt so bad when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's more of a big deal for a man that's in love That's what you say until like, you all leave, and he's like, why didn't you say anything? <laughs> be handsome. I have a very handsome husband. Okay, so as we're sitting together, the, the focus of this podcast, the focus of this conversation is the grace of God. I mean, just to throw it out there, like, what is the grace of God? What is it that we're talking about? Well, the textbook definition of grace is unmerited favor or undeserved favor. And so when we talk about God's grace, it's God's unmerited favor towards us, unearned and completely free. Okay, so so favor, what is, what's favor? I suppose blessing or getting something good. So it's basically getting something good that we don't deserve from God. And Jody, how would you say, like, what is grace? Yeah, it's kind of nebulous, isn't it? I mean, it's exactly what Kian said, and that is the textbook definition, unmerited favor. Grace can be supply. I, I often find it to be that in my day-to-day -day life. You know, God give me grace to get through this next hour with the kids, you know? Um, and yeah, his patience and his supply and his strength you know is available unmerited sort of all encapsulated in his grace okay so so grace being god's unmerited favor and, and there's a variety of, of definitions of it i guess what i'd love to talk about and i'd love to hear is like when did that become like real to you um this is something it's a it's a term that people speak about. If you read the Bible, it comes up a lot. But but when did it kind of move from like a, a textbook definition to like a living reality? Well, for me, I actually don't think that I understood God's grace for the first good few years of my Christianity. I, th I thought I did, but I, I don't, I didn't actually. I knew that definition that Kean just talked about. And um, I knew the scripture and I was a sincere Christian, but um. I didn't fully understand what God's grace was. So when I first became a Christian, I was I was extremely contrite. Like I 
I really felt the sin that I had been living for the previous years. And I was so grateful to God for saving me. And um, I was so sort of just in a place of just being really, really contrite and really humble and just kind of like broken with the gratitude for God for forgiving me, you know. And so in a way, I think I first encountered God, God's mercy. And that really, that really changed my life, you know, God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And and then I went on in my Christian walk and uh, I was extremely zealous for God. But actually, I think after a while, my Christianity was based much more on my zeal um, than on, on God and on and on his grace, actually, which is what we can only lean on. And so I think that actually led me to be quite a judgmental Christian eventually, which is so ironic because I, I, I initially was so aware of, of my of my sin and just of how how I was so undeserving of God's mercy and forgiveness. And yet I became so zealous for God that that, yeah, I think it led me to, to actually be quite legalistic and quite judgmental. And so, you know, I think I I excluded a lot of people from my life and uh, I was I was quite rigid in, in the things that I believed. And then I, I attended a church for about seven years and then I, I left that church and moved to a new one. And uh, during that during that kind of time of change, when I moved churches, I really felt a bit lost again, you know, and um, it seemed like all my zealousness and all of these past seven years of Christianity and everything sort of got whipped out from underneath me and um, I, I didn't really know where I stood with God again and I felt honestly I felt a bit backslidden you know and so that really shook shook my core you know of of my faith and um, it was at that time that my um, pastor at the time Mike Neglia suggested that I should go to Bible college for a semester and so I went um, I went with a, a kind of quite a stone-cold heart to to study in Germany the Bible for a semester and I studied the book of Romans um when I was there I took a class on the book of Romans and um I started to learn about grace uh for actually for the first time and um I I started to learn that it wasn't my zeal or my performance or how much I loved God really that had anything to do with anything it was it was all about just uh kind of leaning on God's grace daily on his grace and I I wasn't good or great or fantastic because because I loved God I I and I wasn't totally destitute because I had gotten cold in my heart no God's grace was constant and and it was the thing that I would lean on now and every every day further and so on the cold on the days where I felt cold and far from God or on the days where I felt you know, excited and close to God, it, those things I, I learned didn't matter, but that God's grace was constant in my life. And that is the thing that mattered, not, not, not really me. So it took the pressure off me, you know, and put all the focus back onto God and, um, and his consistency. And, um, yeah, from, from there on my, my Christian walk really, really changed and, and, um, has continued to be, uh, much more solid since I learned about God's grace. Mm. Okay, so so grace being God's unmerited favor, and, and there's a variety of, of definitions of it. I guess what I'd love to talk about and I'd love to hear is like when did that become like real to you? 
Um, this is something, it's a, it's a term that people speak about. If you read the Bible, it comes up a lot, but, but when did it kind of move from like a, a textbook definition to like a living reality? You know, <clears throat> all of the chapters actually, Chris has talked about so much in the Book of Romans, you know, but there's, there's so much of our identity um, that is found in God's grace, you know, and, and by grace, everything is done. And Paul talks about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I want to do. That kind of made me really think like, you know, even though I, even though I kind of had allowed myself to grow cold and everything in my walk with God, like even, even Paul experienced things like that, you know, where he just didn't do what he wanted to do, but yet God's grace was never changed. It, it was constant, you know, and I love how he, he talks about the I, you know, I want the things of God because who we truly are, you know, is who we are in Christ and the, the old nature and the sin nature, you know, um, isn't who we truly are. It isn't, you know, our Paul always refers to the me, the I is really wanting the things of God. So, um, yeah, and that's all based on God's grace. So, um, yeah, all of Romans really, really. T and the thing is, you know, I like, I did the class and it, and it, it's like also Hebrews, it was Romans and Hebrews, but I did those classes. And for the first few classes, I, I didn't have a good attitude at the time and I didn't really know why I was there. Um, but slowly, little by little, as the weeks went on, slowly, slowly, just gently, I would say, God just softened my heart, you know? And well, by the end of the semester, I was just so excited for the things of God, but in such a different way, like not because of the things I was going to do, but I was genuinely excited about the word. I was excited about God's grace and I was excited about, look, I, I'm finding it hard to put into words, but it was different, you know, and it was, it was not me focused. It was God focused and the word focused. And um, it was true because it has remained, you know. Mm. Can I just chime in? Just well, one of my favorite verses on grace is, um, Romans chapter 11 verse 6 and just in 5 beforehand it says that there I'm going to butcher this to paraphrase in it but it says that there's now a remnant and it's chosen by grace and then he goes then it says in 6 in verse 6 he says um, for if it were not by grace and by works it says then grace would no longer be grace so I think that's I've, I've, I really did butcher it there now but like I love the definition he gives of grace there being like if if we were chosen by anything other than grace, i.e. your works, then like that wouldn't be grace at all because grace is unmerited. And so uh, Romans 11 verse 6 is probably one of my favourite passages in the whole Bible about grace. I think the wording of it is just particularly good. So in 5 it says, So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. And in verse 6, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I love, I love to help me understand words. I often try to think of their opposites. And I like how the Apostle Paul here contrasts, you know, grace, the absolute opposite of grace is, is works and being chosen based on merit. And as coming back to that major definition of grace being God's unmerited favor. Um, it's very good. The second question that I wanted to talk to you, Jody, about you were talking about, let's say, before grace became like a, a living principle in your life, really. You talked about that you were a very judgmental Christian. Like, what does grace have to do with judgmentalism? And how is that, let's say, opposed to 
grace or a lifestyle of grace? You know, I, I kind of wasn't very consciously judgmental, but it sort of came to me out of holiness. Like I thought holiness was important, you know, and I thought we as Christians should live holy lives. And so I would, you know, I had sort of um, strict rules that I applied to myself, you know, initially as a Christian, also because I had come out of kind of a crazy worldly situation, you know, when I was like a, a crazy party person for quite a while. Um, I I wanted to stay away from all that stuff, you know. And so then when I would maybe see Christians who were much more open to, you know, things that I was avoiding, I, I would be judgmental in my heart, you know, towards them. And I would think like, how can you, like, how can you, I, I thought I was right, you know, I was like, how can you represent God, you know, and do these things. And, um, but anyway, the thing was, it didn't get me anywhere, did it? Like it, it, I, it through all that, you know, it, it kind of left me cold and empty after seven years of, you know, really trying my best. Um, and, and, you know, so maybe my, my heart was right or whatever, but, but you can't do it on your own. You'll never be holy enough. You know, I didn't think I was, I knew that, you know, like I knew it wasn't works, but yet in my day to day life, I was, I was doing it, you know, and, the the truth of grace is so all encompassing it kind of you have to like let the holy spirit really open your heart to it because because they had these little rules like well because you did all that party and stuff before you can't do this 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 and this you know and i obviously you have to be have wisdom and stuff but grace truly is it covers all and um and so i i soon realized like through all my effort i i didn't stay strong and so I have to lean only on God he's the only one who is constant and who won't ever change and who won't ever let me down and I will let myself down but wait a second I have this thing you know this gift this unmerited gift of grace that I can lean on every single day you know what the days I'm good the days I'm bad the days I'm holy the days I'm not actually those aren't the things you should be focused on Jody. You should be focused on God's grace, and um, yeah, uh, that that changed my whole mindset and stopped me from being so judgmental. Because um, what now when I looked at people, I just thought, you know what, they are sitting on walking through life with God's grace, and um, they are believers. They love God, you know, and they are covered in His grace, just as I am covered in His grace. And that's where it ends. It starts and it ends, you know. Yeah, excellent. I think I think maybe understanding of that I first and foremost I'm a recipient of God's grace um, allows me, let's say, even people that that mightn't be walking with the Lord, rather than being like, oh, you know, tut tut, look at them. I'm I'm just just aware that it's not that I'm I was smart enough or I was clever enough or I've I've made better life choices, but it's like you know what? It's like it's God's grace came. And, and saved me and preserved me from a lot of things or even even like removed the consequences of certain acts here in this life. And so it's helped me to like have a kind of a humility that's kept me from hopefully turning into kind of a, a judgmental, bitter Christian towards other Christians towards or even other Christians. Towards other Christians is, was my downfall. Okay. Like I never really judged the people who didn't believe in God because I, I understand, you know, if you don't believe in God, you know, like that's fine. Um, it was, it was other Christians that I, that I was judgmental of, uh, found myself in a situation where I was, you know, I, d I didn't do it consciously, but it happened because I didn't understand 
God's grace. But when I did, it helped me. Excellent. So, Kian, when did, I guess, the concept of God's grace become like a living reality for you? Yeah, so, like, similarly to Jody, just like Jody, like, it would have been years after I would have, would have thought I became a Christian that I started to understand grace properly. And I, at the, I presume that's very common, like, because it's not something that comes naturally to the human mind. Um, so I was in my late teens, I'd say, when I really started to understand grace. But it was years before that. Like, I started, I was going to church since I was about five or six, I'd say. Um, and then I suppose I'd say I became a Christian when I was around 11 or 12, where I kind of understood that, you know, God loved me and that I had I had sin and that I needed Jesus to forgive my sins. And but then for years and years, like it was just performance based. You know, God loves me more when I'm better. He doesn't love me as, love me as much when I'm not that good. Um, so it was like that for years and just really focusing on the Christian life instead of Christ. You know, as Christians, we can be so focused on Christian life and there can be like sermons and sermons and sermons and like hours of research into like, okay, as a Christian, how must I live? Like, what's my life supposed to look like as a Christian? Whereas then we, we very spend little, spend very little time talking about our listening or researching the work of Christ that's already been done and so it was for years for years like that um and then it wasn't until i started to really search the bible for myself i suppose um that i started to get a better understanding of grace you know i would have obviously believed that it was by grace in a way that i was saved that i was a i was a christian because god loved me even though i was sinful but i wouldn't i wouldn't have understood that god loves me always the exact same way no matter how well or how bad I'm doing. Um, so And I understood the gospel and the new covenant. But yeah, when I was a late teenager, maybe 16, 17, I started to get into the Bible a bit more myself. And I had a good friend of mine, Winchester Hagens, who loved grace and talked a lot about grace. And just exposed me to some scriptures, I suppose, that just really put a lot of emphasis on grace. And I suppose one huge step for me in understanding grace was understanding God's role in saving me and that it was only God and like it was solely his role that he saved me and that it wasn't really my my choices or some some faith and in inverted commas that I made up myself and I mustered up myself to reach out to God God, God was passing by me and I said oh God quick I need you to save me it was more like I was like dead in my trespasses and sins, it says in Ephesians 2. Uh, and he came and made me alive, which it says again later in Ephesians 2. Um, so yeah, that was a huge step for me, understanding that God saved me by himself, for himself, and I didn't really have much to do with it. The only thing I con contributed to my salvation was the sin that made it necessary, quote by someone, I don't know who said it, but a great quote, John Owen, yeah, good quote. Um, so yeah, that was a huge step for me. From then on, after being exposed to kind of, I suppose, the verses in the Bible about grace, God's grace, it's still a journey, even up to this day, you know, coming to grips more and more, reminding myself every single day, you know, when I don't do the good stuff I should do, when I do the bad stuff that I shouldn't do, realizing that, you know, God loves me the same as my best day and my worst day because my worth is like solely in Jesus and and it's totally unmerited.
Yeah. So, Kian, you, you said that it took kind of a while into your Christian experience before this kind of um, made sense. And I, I think you said something, and I forget the exact phrase, but that kind of by default is just not how we, we operate or think. Like, why not? Well, like, it's just the economy of the world. Like, like Christianity is like the only place, the only belief system in the whole world that you will see you don't get what you deserve. Like, from the very moment you're raised in school, at home, anywhere, any other religion besides true Christianity is you have to work to get something good. You have to earn your way in this world. Like, it's just the economy of everything we do. Um, and not that there's anything necessarily evil about that, but it's just n has no place in Christianity. Do you know what I mean? And so, as a human being living in the world, I suppose, I just would have been taught, you know, you work for what you want. If you want to get good grades in school, you have to study, even though I didn't do that anyway. But if you want to get, if you want to get paid, you're going to have to get a job and earn it. And Christianity is the only place in the world where you don't get what you deserve. Someone else got what you deserve, and that's Jesus. And what he deserves is given to you, which is righteousness and acceptance and love. It's weird too, because like often people don't want it people would rather work and earn um their salvation their income their whatever they'd rather work at it themselves um it's kind of a humbling and sort of um almost like pathetic situation to put yourself in to accept that i can do nothing no matter how good I am, I will never be good enough. So I have to just accept this from you, God, and be grateful for it and thank you for it. It's um, putting yourself in a place of um, yeah, humility. and um, Because it's everybody likes to say, you know, look what I did. You know, look, look, look at the, you know. And, and again, like you said, Kian, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you make a beautiful piece of art or if you have a beautiful home or if you're really good at your job or whatever, you know, and you like that sense of like, look what I did, you know, look what I made, look what I created. But when it comes to earning our salvation, it'll never be good enough. And there's a certain acceptance there that we have to realize we need, we need God's grace, you know. And I, I think that stops a lot of people from accepting, from accepting the truth because they don't want it. They'd rather actually just work for it themselves. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen like in a, in a, in a cafe, like there's like the two older ladies and they've gone out for tea together and then one of them is like oh i'll get this like no 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 i'll i'll oh, get yeah, this yeah, you know yeah, yeah. even even it's like you know I, I i can't let you buy me something um i don't want to be indebted to you all right you know um, and that's that's amongst friends and i think that there's just a part of us that would say to 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 god the god of the universe like you know no thanks i i got this like you know, I'll, I'll earn it or I'll maintain it or I don't want to be indebted to you. And I think that there's, you know, like the part of the wonder, part of the stumbling block of grace is that we have to say, you know, Jesus paid it all, all, all to him I owe, you know, that, that it truly is, it's a gift. And all that we do is, is we receive it. We don't earn it, deserve it, merit it. The thing is, once you finally, like once your mind finally grasps it, it is the most wonderful thing. It's the most, and like it took seven years into my Christianity and, and it's it's still a journey of learning more of grace. But I'm, uh, where, you know, where I finally, I think I, I grasped it. Like it, it, it is 
not at all about me, not even a little tiny bit about me. I don't please God more on my very good days, you know, and I don't please him less on my other ones. Like he, my standing with him is constant because of what he did. When you finally grasp it and you and you do fully accept it, gosh, the burden it takes off your shoulders, you know, the relief is um is wonderful and it is just such a joy. Yeah. Even talking about it, it reminds me of those early days of kind of learning how wonderful God's grace is and accepting it. So uh, we're hearing experiences about like, you know, five or six years ago. But is that it? Is it just something that we experienced in 2011? Or what's the ongoing effects of grace in your life? It has the opposite effect as what you would think. Like you think naturally if you give someone like a license, I suppose, like say, you know, God loves you always the exact same, whether you do bad or good. You would, th- you would think as humans in their natural, like, legalistic, moralistic economy that that will make people sin and, like, that will just give people license to do what they want. But I, th- I think it actually had the exact opposite effect on me. Whereas when you understand God's grace, how it works, and you develop a, a certain like a much deeper appreciation for what God's done for you when you realize when you start to understand it more and that like that just naturally makes you like a more loving more Christ-like person I think when you understand it it just naturally happens or rather supernaturally happens because you're no longer striving to to do good and you said it a while ago Romans 7 like it was like the more he was trying the worse he was doing you know and so it's it's, it's that verse is so true today still you know if you're caught in like a moralistic legalistic way version of christianity trying to just obey the law the more you try the worse you're going to do it just makes it worse and worse and then but the less i I don't want to say the less you try because obviously we have responsibility and stuff but the more your focus is off trying i suppose i can put it that way the more the more your focus is off trying and it's more focused on what god and what jesus already has done for you and the more you understand your position in him, I think it just naturally, progressively makes you more Christ-like and more loving person. So I've, I would have seen a development in my life over the last few years since understanding grace and God doing a work in my heart and in my life and the actions I do or whatever, different to what would have been the years beforehand. And definitely, and also made me a much freer person. Like, I appreciate what God's done for me a lot more when I understand that I literally bring nothing to the table um, helps me worship way better you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worship leader helps me get more excited about the songs I sing you know so stuff like that Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect no I worked harder than all of them yet not I but the grace of God that was with me so yeah like Kim was saying you know when you look to and rely on God's grace and his finished work, instead of just striving to be better and better and better, actually, it's it's easier, you know, to to live a life worthy of, of God and his love and his grace and his finished work. Yeah, like in Titus 2.11, it says, um, it is the grace of God that teaches us to resist ungodliness. So somehow by focusing on God's grace, you know, it's it's almost just, a spiritual work that God does in our hearts, you know, and um, and by looking to Him, you know, we we um, resist ungodliness. All the better, all the more in our day to day lives. Yet not th- not by striving and not by looking to ourselves, but just by looking to to His work.
Yeah, and so that's great. A lot of this has to do with, the, I, I guess, our our inner life or the way that we think about ourselves is a kind of an outward effect of grace. I mean, basically, is this affecting the way that we treat other people or is this all kind of like our, our inner monologue? It's definitely changed the way that I would think about other Christians. You, you know, I've already talked about how I was a little judgmental, um, almost unconsciously, but, you know, the whole like closed hand, open hand thing, you know, if people have slightly different beliefs now than me in, in Christianity, there may be just open hand issues and, and, and don't aren't instrumental in the actual Jesus dying on the cross and having to accept our salvation by faith, then I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, I'm so much more just, um, relaxed about those things I guess you could say grace has helped me to relax a lot more in my life that might sound kind of just carnal but honestly it's it's true like so I I don't sweat all the small things the way I used to or feel the need to have to like tell people a better way you know I just I just know it's God's work like and either he'll show me that I'm wrong or he'll show them that they're wrong or bring us both to a better understanding of how things are but ultimately you know God is the one who will do it so it's helped me in that sense, to take my own hands off at things a lot more, you know, and to let let God do the work. Excellent. I suppose it changed the way I saw and felt about non-Christians as well as Christians, but in people who don't believe in the sense that, like, it, like if someone did something bad or isn't living a proper life, you know, it's easy to judge them being like, oh, I'd never be like that. But when you understand the grace of God, you know that you could easily or you would you would be just as bad as anybody else like you like nothing that you've done is why you're a christian do you know what i mean so you could be just as bad as anyone so it helps you understand that and i suppose it helps you have a a better a deeper and more genuine love for people who aren't saved because you could even if they're bad necessarily bad people in quotation marks again like you would know that you'd be the exact same way you'd be just as helpless as them if it wasn't for the grace of God. People in any situation, you could be in that situation if it wasn't for the grace of God. And then also, it translates into how I treat non-Christians, or I mean Christians as well. So I'd want to be gracious to them and show them the grace that God showed me. But also, like I'd have a much deeper passion for like revealing, revealing is kind of a pious word, but like I suppose exposing people to god's grace in the bible like in our core in our community group last night like we, i went through a couple of verses like i mentioned today you know re, i really i really enjoyed it i just really enjoyed showing people those passages about god's grace and stuff and so and like i wouldn't have been like that before do you know what I, mean? I wouldn't have really have anything exciting to share talking about god's grace you know but over the last few years i've developed a, a really nice appreciation and a bit of more understanding of god's grace and it just makes me want to tell people more about it I suppose because I know how freeing it is and I know how hard it can be and how miserable it is when you're like you're a Christian but you're just totally struggling under the law so it makes me treat differently in that sense as well this is like a contradiction in terms but you were talking almost about like a graceless Christianity what's that all about and again I, I say that almost with inverted commas because there's no such thing as graceless Christianity but yet I think we've all kind of known and lived that. So w what is graceless Christianity? Well, I suppose graceless Christianity would be an understanding that like God forgives your sins 
or like your past sins at least you know when you became a christian all the sins that you committed before that god forgives them but you know, since you became a christian you know you learn some verses like you know what you sow you'll reap god will not be mocked you know you learn a lot about the consequences responsibilities of your sins and all this and i suppose you have the understanding that god saved you but then like a gracious christianity comes after that then if you don't keep if you if you forget about the gospel after your conversion i would say then that's like gracious christianity it's like some pe- and it's so it's much more common than than what we think i suppose like it's it's everywhere and it, it's it slips in everywhere even if there's even if it's a good solid church with good solid preaching it still slips into people's lives um and then obviously i think it's an absolute epidemic in like worldwide christianity uh, even in evangelical christianity like this moralistic graceless christianity is so much more common than any other problem that we have in the christian church right today i think so what it would look like is you believe that god forgave your past sins but now it's up to you to make sure you don't sin too much after you became a christian make sure you don't ever make god change his mind about you make sure you don't ever you know mess up so bad that god won't forgive you make sure you never lose your salvation inverted commas again just just make sure you stay a christian and make sure you do enough to please god so that he can bless you you know if you give money he'll bless you if you read your bible seven times a day he'll bless you more and what happens even if you can do that for like a couple of weeks at a time you know you might go to a conference or whatever or have a really good time in church and you're all built up and say okay i'm gonna just be so good when i come back from this like it only lasts like a couple of days at best and you start fading off again and then you're just, it's like endless treadmill of works and like it's just so far from christianity like you said it's greatest christianity which is is an oxymoron or it just it doesn't work makes no sense so and i would have been personally like that for years knew i was a christian because god forgave my sins but you know i better just be really careful that i don't fall out of his love or fall out of his hand or whatever so that's quite it's quite it's quite taxing it's quite so yeah 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 i mean and then to to grasp okay you know i've been saved by god's grace you know and and jesus died for me when i was yet a sinner you know wow and can i you can't encounter jesus without encountering i guess his grace but then yeah for for a while i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna prove to jesus that i was worth dying for and I'm going to be the best Christian Jesus ever saw. And he's going to be so glad that I'm on his team. And, and, I, and I had some kind of like natural giftings. And like I, I used to be like quite extroverted. And I used to like be super like chatty and talking to people all the time. And like I was like a, a gifted or a, I was a comfortable evangelist. And so always like starting conversations with people about like about Christianity. And um, yeah, and I just like felt like it was good that jesus saved me because like i'm really kind of i'm i'm earning my keep yeah it's just like gosh like it's like i like i'm on the verge of tears just kind of thinking because it's it's just so hard to try to kind of pay back this debt like as if it could be paid back um when was you know like i'm a a parent jody you know you're you're a parent like we, we give our kids gifts and like it'd be so almost offensive if the kids were just like okay don't don't worry like I'll earn this. I'll be a good enough kid so that you're glad that I gave this gift. The, the way to really p- 
plea as a parent is to just receive the gift and enjoy it. It's nearly more miserable to be a, a Christian, a graceless Christian, if that's the term we're using, than to not be. Ultimately, you know, it isn't because of salvation, but it is, it's, it's very, like you said, trying and it, it's very tiring and, and it's so futile because you cannot do it. You know, you can never do it. That's why Jesus had to do it. And it's so blatantly obvious yet. I found myself in that situation for seven years of trying. For me, it was like gratitude. I was so grateful to God for saving me. And I, and I was so conscious of what a horrible sinner I was beforehand because I, I did some dreadful things and um, had so many regrets. And uh, I, and then when I would like not be go a good Christian, I would just think, how, Jody? like, how could you not be after all God like forgave you for you know like do better and um yeah sure I can't but um it's more honoring to God to to say yes I can't but thank you God that um that in all my failings your grace is sufficient for me um and I and I know that now and there's such peace in that you know yeah well I, he I heard someone say this and it just really I felt kind of encapsulates my attitude in my younger years and unfortunately as Kian said maybe an, an epidemic in Christianity today you know but he phrased it as you know it's it was Jesus's blood sweat and tears you know that that made you a Christian and so now it's going to be my blood sweat and tears that keep me a Christian and again it's just I wish I didn't like um know that feeling i wish that that was an unfamiliar concept to me but i'm like yep that seems right and it can be so easy to slip back in can't it even now even with all the revelation of grace you know if you have times where you are not reading your bible you know you feel the condemnation and you're like oh and of course you know it's great to read our, our bibles um but yeah we we have nothing to prove because we can prove nothing it's only for our for our own good, you know, that we would have a close relationship with with the Lord because we're the only ones who can stop it. You know, he's always we said that at the end of Romans there where it's like nothing can separate us. Um, only we can decide that we're not going to because we're putting condemnation on ourselves, you know, but it's not from God because his grace is um, enough. Like I, st I still struggle with it. I think I think I'll always I think everyone will always struggle with trying to understand that when you do something wrong or when you don't do something good that you should have done that you can just as easily go to God in prayer or in worship or read his Bible like as your best moment like it's it feels so weird like you know just after you've done something wrong and you think like oh I, I must you all naturally think I must like give give God like a few minutes at least to cool down or a couple of days yeah, you yeah. know what I mean you, you do like you always do it but then like I suppose you have grace in your mind you let it come down to your heart I suppose the easier it is to like just throw out those thoughts, you know, just yeah. to like, no, that's not true. I know yeah. that's not true. It's not true that I have to leave God cool down. So I can just run to him and, you know, seek, you know, repent and seek his comfort, you know. And it's the opposite of what we normally do is what we should do. We normally do give God time to cool off. It'll be better for him and for me. But rather we should go straight to him be like, yeah, I messed up. Just be honest with him. But I know you love me. It works out way better. Yeah.
in rugby. It's another fewer. It's fewer sports as well. I think maybe hockey, maybe I don't know. But in in rugby, if you commit a bad foul, not bad enough to be sent off, like straight red card, but pretty bad. Like I think a high tackle gets one. You get a yellow card, sent to the sin bin for ten minutes. So you can't play for ten minutes. You're given time to cool down, and then you come back after ten minutes. So we can uh, we can tr- apply that to Christianity. Like we tend to do that so much, or we we believe that God does that to us. You know, God's the eternal referee. You know. Showing that yellow card, you know, Keen, you didn't read your Bible all week. Like, you can't, there's no way you can come in and lead worship this Sunday. Like, take 10 minutes in the Sunday, and, you know, we'll after that, then we'll, we'll work it out. But no, that's just so counter gospel, so anti gospel. Like, because then you're, even though it seems humble, it seems humble, no, oh God, oh, I'm such a sinner. Like, you, you can't, I can't serve you in this way. I can't, you can't possibly love me. I'm, I'm being so humble. But actually, I think you said it last Sunday. You know, it's it's legalistic just as much as, and it's 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 not humble. It's the opposite of humble because you're saying that you can eventually earn it. You're saying, oh, I can't earn it now, but when I'm better, I can earn it. So it's not humble at all. It's the exact opposite because you're you're not depending on God's grace. You're depending on your own work still. So saying his his work wasn't enough. Exactly for those ten minutes. Yeah, it wasn't enough. Exactly. I remember one day being at church and um, Mike talking about the um, woman who was caught in the act of adultery and uh, they were about to stone her. And, you know, you know, the story Jesus said, you who has never sinned, cast the first stone and everybody walked away. And then he said to the lady, where are your condemners? And she said, um, they're not here. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And um, that that you taught about how um what came first like first came neither do I condemn you you know our our position with God is that we're not condemned there is no more condemnation condemnation you know and then from that from that position you know of of being fully accepted you know um fully forgiven and that position will never change from there we go and sin no more you know rather than like well, if you sin no more, then maybe one day you'll be accepted. You know, you'll be forgiven. You won't be condemned. It's it's completely the opposite way around, you know. And that was a big moment for me in understanding grace um, when I understood the order that it's that it's in, you know. Yeah, I mean, going back to like the, the economic language that Keegan was talking about earlier on, like we never do that. It's never, I guess maybe at the petrol pump, like you fill your tank first. You know, and then and then you pay. Yeah. But apart from that, everything else is that you 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 pay first. You, yeah. you show that you're you're able to purchase something, and then you receive it. But but Jesus in John eight and elsewhere, so many other places, says you know, forgiveness is yours, condemnation is is removed from you, and then now here's here's life, here's godliness. And if you read through Romans, the word righteous and grace. Are, are together all the time like if you see you received um righteousness and grace and it's like it's that position you know whenever you read about the righteous man or anything in the bible anywhere through the bible there's loads of that in the old testament you know you you can say like that's me i'm the righteous man these promises are yes and amen for me because i'm the righteous man Be- not because i'm righteous you know but because god gave me that gift of righteousness that position 
and then and then we walk out that righteousness by the power of his grace every day in our lives yeah and that positional righteousness um kian how would you explain someone being like positionally like in christ as ephesians talks about well a good analogy that i was shown before by a good friend of mine uh, was a, just a, an image and like you can do it practically you stick a coin in an apple stick a coin in an apple and chuck the apple around and wherever the apple is the coin is as well and so you know you can talk you can just you can talk about in Ephesians 2 where it talks about how we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that's one sense of positional righteousness because we're in Jesus and we're in heaven then we're righteous and so yeah that's a good analogy with the apple and the coin so wherever the coin or wherever the apple is the coin is as well you know the scripture where it says like um if you um repent of your sins God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and um that one always confused me you know because I thought well am I am I like unrighteous now I'm a Christian but I you know I need to for ask for forgiveness you know but the positional thing helped me you know that positionally like I am righteous always before God you know I can come boldly into the throne room that is how he sees me but if I want to have a relationship with God you know as he is my father and I want to be close to him there are times where I'm going to have to say Lord I'm sorry you know I I I, I sinned and and we're and I am that sin is separating me from you right now, you know, because because I'm putting myself in the sin bin, you know, and I'm and I'm sorry. Um, and God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and we c come back, you know, in that relationship again. But our position never, never changes. Just our daily walk can be affected by uh by the sins that we commit. But um, God is faithful and just to always forgive them. But it, it never will affect our um eternal salvation, our position with God as well. It's good about the coin and the apple. I remember that one. Um, something I want to ask you, Kian, is so Kian, you, you'd mentioned that you are a, a musician and you're one of the, the worship leaders at the church that we belong to. What's, what's your favorite song about God's grace? It's something that kind of just makes us kind of want to sing, I guess. But what, what do you like to sing about? Um... My favorite song that like explicitly talks about the grace of God is a song called Grace Alone. Funnily enough, by um Dustin Kendrew was the guy who wrote it. But yeah, just a really good it's more it's like a sermon. It's like a sermon in a song. It's like it's got so much truth in it. Another song I really love, uh, it's called Before the Throne of God Above, an old Presbyterian hymn. The second verse in it, it really paints a good picture of God's grace. It says when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin and that's like that's just so important to me like that I love seeing that verse because like you know that that happens you know I mess up I don't do the things I should and I you know Satan's tempting me he's, you know he's saying look at you you're not you're not worthy of God's love you're a bad person whatever and then no it's upward I look and see him there I see the cross of Jesus Christ and I see like the grace of God exhibited in the perfect way, and that's uh, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Um, so, yeah, those two songs. Jody, any songs about grace? I love those two songs, but nothing that is coming to my brain right now. Okay. Sorry, Mike. Amazing Grace? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? Don't you ever wonder about that, that lyric, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. The sound. Uh, I but actually never thought 
Never thought of that. No, just see it. You've I heard it so much. Sweet the sound of grace. The sound of grace. I was thinking, what was that like? The gospel yeah, maybe I being preached so, yeah. I to him. So. I've never thought about that. Speaking of amazing grace, <laughs> um, I think towards the end it has the line: um, "Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come." You know, it's grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will see me home. That there is, I guess, a, a backwards aspect of grace to be like, you know, the, the punishment that I should have received has been received by another in the past, you know. But there's this forward aspect, too, that like that grace is going to, to see me home. That, that, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, that kind of famous passage about God's grace has a backwards dimension, you know, about this is what happened in the past. But then it says that, that I think Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the coming ages that God is going to like reveal like the riches of his grace, that there's more grace for us, grace that will get us there. And then that God has even more grace and more kindness and more favor um, to, to show us. And I think maybe in this present, if I could use the word dispensation or in this, in this present time period, we are receiving God's grace and that largely has to do with like forgiveness of sin and removal of the penalty of of our transgressions but it's just encouraging to think like this is like a limited time you know like like we're we're God's children forever and you know sin is one day just going to be like eradicated in distant memory and God still is going to have grace for us because right now our deepest need is for i guess our sin to be taken from us and then ultimately you know as heaven and earth and pass away and there'll be everything will be new like god's still going to be showing grace and it's not to do with the covering of our sins anymore but mm. it's just like his mm. continual favor for us you know in the ages to come so to think of of right now our experience of grace is excellent it's wonderful you know but there's 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 room for more and there's more to come and it's a very wonderful thing to to look forward to and think about Thanks for listening. From here on out, we are going to be putting out a new episode every fortnight. Um, so every two weeks, there should be a new Vox Hibernia episode. We actually intended to put this one out last week, but things are just pretty crazy for us here at Cork. The church that Ricky and I are a part of, the church that Kian and Jody are a part of, um, we're actually moving buildings this week. So things have been pretty um, up the walls. And then in addition to that, myself and my wife uh, we had our third child last Monday, so things are busy. But from here on out, fortnightly, we're going to put out a new Vox Ibernia episode. In the meanwhile, you can connect with us. You can talk with us. Uh, we'd love for this to be more of a two-way conversation. You can find us on Facebook, Vox Ibernia. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter or on Instagram with Vox Ibernia Pod. And there is our brand new website, voxhibernia.com. Friend of the show, Aaron Salvato, put it together for us, and it is beautiful. You should visit it at least once just to appreciate its beauty. And speaking of beauty, behind the scenes, we are produced by Ricky Ponce. He is the technical wizard and gummy bear enthusiast.